You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I am Martina Cunha and you are listening to Backstage Talk. Hello everyone, welcome back to Backstage Talk. Today I have another special guest that I haven't met in person. I have met her through Twitter and through Clubhouse. She is Ayana Prescott. She will tell us all about her in a couple of seconds and today we will discuss a topic that I've had in mind since uh, probably last year maybe before and it's Broadway representation of BIPOC people. So Ayana thank you so much for being here it's an honor it's a pleasure I know my listeners will love this conversation uh, and the floor is yours. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate this. Um, I am ready to have that conversation. <laughs> so let's get to it. What do you want me to start with? <laughs> um, first, you can give us uh, a, an introduction of who you are and what you do. Yeah, um, well, I'm Ayanna Prescott, and I am a jack-of-all-trades, I want to say. Um, I am an editor, a journalist, a founder, Um, but I really, my top tier is theater editing and journalism. Um, I've been in the theater industry for not a long time, maybe about six years now, um, and writing for four years, but I grew up loving the theater. So I knew that I was going to be working in this space. I can't sing or dance, but I had to figure out a way to um, work, whether it was backstage, whether it was um, costume design, writing, and I kind of found my niche with writing. Um, I'm also the founder of Our BK Social, and Our BK Social is a platform for people of Brooklyn, New York, and we cover everything from food and dining to arts and culture to finance, um, and that's only in the vicinity of Brooklyn. Um, so yeah, it's just, um, that's a little bit about me. I mean, I am the editor, theater co-editor of the Brooklyn Rail and the Brooklyn Rail, it's, it, Brooklyn is in the name, but we 
are very diverse in what we cover. So, but it's an arts and culture magazine, um, and I am the theater co-editor along with Billy McAntre, and he is also um, another wonderful person um, in the theater realm. And we pretty much cover all of Broadway, off Broadway, off off Broadway anything to do with the theater so yeah that's a little bit about me and you you're also a writer with broadway direct right yeah well yeah so i'm a i do so much i can't keep up um yeah so i do a lot of freelance work for broadway direct um but i'm a features writer so i do mostly once or twice a month their features they have like a broad let me give you a little foundation because I don't think people know about Broadway Direct. Broadway Direct is under the Netherlander Corporation, so they own most of the theaters on Broadway. And this is just their their outlet to where people can buy tickets, where people can learn more about the shows um, that are happening on Broadway pre-shutdown. Right now, because Broadway is shut down, we're focused more on... Um, inclusion and diversity and just telling the stories that haven't been told before so um yeah I do a lot of features writing for them um I do so much that but that's that's the main stuff so it's Broadway Direct it's Brooklyn Rail and our BK Social awesome awesome how did you start in theater how did you find that passion uh because you just said you you weren't a performer, uh, but you knew that you wanted to be in the theater industry? That's a great question because um, <laughs> I grew up loving theater. Um, my grandfather, who sadly passed away in 95, he was the first person to take me to a Broadway show. Um, and my first Broadway show was Cats, but I feel like everybody who's a millennial, like that was their first Broadway show. Um So from that show, I was like, wow, this is so... And I was like nine, but I knew that this was my space. If, if that makes sense, like as a child, I just felt so comfortable. Um, there were kids that were like so afraid of this show because cats can be scary, but it's just like, I felt comfortable. I loved the live music. I loved the performance, the acting. And I told my grandfather, I said, you have to take me to more of these things. Like I want to, I want to be in theater. So he kind of like was my gateway into theater and performance art. Um, and then, you know, I, I went to school for fashion design and marketing. I got my BA in fashion marketing, but when I, graduated from college I was like this is not what I wanted to do like it's just something that I felt passionate at that time but it wasn't like my first love and my first love was theater but I know that I can't sing I can't dance I'm not a performer I needed to find a way in um I had started our BK social my last year of college and it was kind of just something on social media it wasn't like It wasn't like a big thing. Um, and then President Obama at the time invited me to cover, well, the the West, <laughs> the White House press invited me to cover President Obama's trip to Brooklyn. So that was just kind of like, okay, I need to make this a platform. 
And that was big. That was huge. What? That, and that was like, that was like six months into like me starting this social media platform. It, I had no website. I had no nothing. I just had like gained traction, you know, um, gained a following. It wasn't like over the top celebrity status, but it was enough to catch their attention and what I was doing. I was doing a lot of social justice within Brooklyn. That's awesome. So, yeah, so I just started writing about, um, I had a theater portion on RBK Social because we do have like a little, a, a, a few regional theaters within Brooklyn, New York that I would cover their shows. And um, Nicole from Exient, she's a former editor she reached out to me on twitter because she saw my passion i feel like i meet so many people on twitter um she saw my passion for theater and saw how like i talk about it constantly so she dm'd me and said hey we're looking for new writers for exit magazine um we're starting a new york branch because they are uh london based they're only based in the west end at the time and i was like sure like i'm not like a critic but you know you want to help me out? Let's get this going. So she was kind of like, this was four years ago. She was kind of my entryway into theater journalism. So I didn't go to school for that. I didn't, you know, this is not something, this is something that I learned from other editors. Um, so I started writing. I started um, just doing interviews and talking to people. And here I am. And now I'm like... <laughs> That was just, it's not like your typical, like, I was a theater nerd in high school. Like, I was dancing with the theater kids. That wasn't me. I went to school for fashion, but I kind of knew from when I was a child that this was my comfort zone. And this is what I wanted to do. So it kind of just, like, it it, it wasn't a straight line getting there, kind of like a maze, but it worked its, its way out, so. I love it. I love it. And I love how life turns around unexpectedly and you end up doing the thing you love the most. Right, right, right. So unexpected, but it's kind of like I called it into existence in a way, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, it, it does. <laughs> it does make sense. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a person that manifests a lot of things. Right. So mm -hmm. the power of there. manifestation. <laughs> it, it works. It <laughs> works. Try it. <laughs> you also have a podcast. That's uh, Token Theater Friends. Yeah, so that's not my pad podcast. I am one of the... Um, you're, like, reminding me of all the stuff I do. Um, my friend Jose Solis um, started this podcast with Deep Tran, another um, brilliant... They're both brilliant theater journalists. And they started this podcast for the underserved voices of the theater community, um just by the title you can it's just so striking and their work was so beautiful and when deep left i believe she works for backstage now she's a writer for backstage um jose wanted to rework the podcast to have rotating co-host and they're all bipoc people people of color people in the theater industry who know what they're talking about who can stir up a conversation and um, he just set this foundation that, you know, these are voices that are, aren't often heard and let's all come together and let's like 
take the stand and talk about the things we love because I feel like I don't know growing up while I knew I wanted to be in theater in a way um I knew that it was kind of not normal for a person who looked like me I recognized the audience theater members weren't always people of color majority were white I mean it's still pre-covid it was still Mm -hmm. uh majority white as far as broadway is concerned um but it's but it's because we're not given that platform to talk to ourselves about it so what jose did was he took this platform token theater friends he created this beautiful podcast and said let's speak to each other about it let's bring in more people who look like us because we do attend the theater but is it accessible? Do Are these people who are coming to the theater for the first time, are they seeing, hearing from us? Like, this is what we have to do. So, yeah. Awesome. And also, how are these communities being represented on the stage? Not only in, 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 the, in the audience. Yeah. Um, it's funny because... Um, I, I so love, I feel like while this pandemic has caused such, such a, it's caused the world to be on a standstill and it's caused theater, Broadway, off-Broadway to look at themselves and reevaluate what they're doing and who they're not offering um, the bigger picture. And while we see... Um, small steps to diversity and inclusion on stage, not big steps, but small steps. Um, you know, behind the scenes, it, it doesn't mirror that. Also, the audience doesn't mirror that. Who are your audience developers? Who are your directors? Who are your producers? They don't look like us. They don't look like the pe people of color who are presented on stage. And that's a problem. Do you want your audience to come in and only see diversity on stage, but behind the scenes, it's like all white males? That's not that's that's not what it doesn't represent the world we live in. The world we live in is diverse. It's inclusive. So why doesn't Broadway, what many call the pinnacle of theater, which can be debated, but like you know, what? why Why doesn't it mirror that? Why doesn't your audience mirror that? And your audience doesn't mirror that because they don't feel included. Um, you know, I have tons of friends of color who are like, wow, Ayana, you really, you're really into this theater thing and I don't think they represent you. That's true. But I have hope that the, that can change. And it has to take one of us to put our foot in the door and say, hey, we belong here. You need to um, you need to look at us and include us. So, yeah. Absolutely. So besides the that group of white male men uh, backstage, like pulling the strings on Broadway, which are yeah. other things that you think need fixing to improve this representation of communities like uh, black and brown people, indigenous people, Latin people included? 
that needs to be done. <laughs> it's a lot that needs to be done. What I want to say is, because we're in this great pause, hopefully letting out soon, like theater is slowly coming back. But we took this great pause and we had organizations like We See You White American Theater. And when you have organizations like that that are calling you out, where you have all these people of color, it's not just Black, it's not just Asian American, it's not just... Um, Latino, it's 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 literally every race of color um, coming together and saying, you guys need to do better. Um, and I don't think that they've ever had such a collective. You have, like, you have um, Broadway Alliance, you have these other, these other, organizations but we see you is kind of like in your face like you need to get this done or we're gonna create our own space you need to include us we're the ones bringing in the money we're the ones on stage we're the ones doing this you guys need to include us and I don't think they've ever had like demand sent to them before you know, um, with We See You, let me just explain that. Um, I'm not part of them, but they had, they got, We See You White American Theater um, collectively got a group of BIPOC individuals, actors and directors and producers um, to sign this letter demanding that theaters represent them. Um, so, and, and diversify like their top people because what they're putting on stage could be black and brown people, could be members of the LGBTQ community, but it's like behind stage, it's not that. And they know that and they know that these producers are not diversified, so they're demanding that they do this. And I don't think theaters ever received such a letter, such a demand. Um, and I think that's one of the greatest things that came out of this pause was people were able to sit back, think, like, what is it that it, we want um, American theater to change? Um, and We See You has done such a great job of demanding and following up, not just sending this letter, but saying, okay, you sent out a press release that this is what we're doing. Six months later, uh, what have you implemented? And calling them out if they didn't. So like, like with the Broadway League, who hasn't, I think they're one of the only ones who hasn't responded to them. Um, they're like, you know, we see you. We see what you're doing. Um, why haven't you responded to our demands? And I think that's just like, that's the boldest. It takes so much courage, but it also, I feel like, the pause was beneficial in that way. Um, while we missed theater, I feel like we needed this, this, uh, this stop and reflection time, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that the whole world needed to stop for a bit, to rethink how we are engaging between us in our work with our families and like, globally we mm -hmm. needed this space to think and stop and just see where we can do better because 
I think that most of the time we excuse ourselves of not changing because we don't have time to plan or literally change. And I think the pandemic has given us this go to the corner moment and rethink about what you've done. Um, That's a great analogy. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Like put yourself on time out and think about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just try to build new things that are more inclusive, more equal for everyone. Right. Not not just only a group of people. Right. Um, And I, I, I feel like just, Going off what you said, I feel like um, some people think when we're fighting for diversity, we're only fighting for a certain race, but that's not true. We're fighting for every underserved community. We're fighting for people with disabilities. We're fighting for the LGBTQ plus community. We're fighting for trans people. We're fighting for, um, you know, non-binary people. We're fighting for people of color, you know, there's just so much reckoning and rebuilding that needs to be done. Um, within the, the, within the American theater community, because, you know, because I, you know, I grew up in New York city, all I saw was Broadway and off Broadway, but there's so many regional theaters who have the same notion of, the heads are, you know, led by white people. And then you put, you throw these people of color on stage and say, hey, we, this is diversity. It's not. And, you know, this was a timeout. And, you know, what's happening now? And I, I have faith that when theater returns, that there's going to be, you know, some change, at least a small step forward. In this order of ideas, how can shows be more open to representation besides putting specific performers of a certain race or whatever on stage? It's all systematic and it starts with the gatekeepers. The gatekeepers need to be diverse and that's that's that. I mean, you cannot just have white people as your producer, your director, your stage manager, um, your general manager, you can't have that. You can't have that anymore if that's what you've been doing. And if you think that's okay, it's not. Um, There needs to be diversity behind the table. And then when diversity is behind the table, everyone has a say and you collectively move that forward. So your audience will start to pick up that this is, This is a story about me. I need to come see this show, right? Because it reflects me. These shows that were previously put on Broadway, um, you had your bio musical of Tina Turner. That's great. You know that people, uh, black people are going to come out because they love Tina Turner. They may not have seen her before. But you have your shows like, um, what was one that was just, mm, like, uh, no, let me just call out like the last show I saw the minutes where it's like you had people of color, but it was just the show was white led, if that makes sense. So all your main characters are white, let you know, white speaking. And it's just that's not 
it has to start with your gatekeepers. Your once your gatekeepers um, aren't are diverse, you hire the right people, right casting agency to bring in a diverse cast. Your cast now will then reflect to the audience. It's all kind of like this, but it has to start at it has to start at the head. If it doesn't start at the head, then then it's not going to reflect. I, you, you just made me think about it's not only putting Black stories on stage. It's not only putting uh, Asian American or Latino stories on the stage. And you just mm -hmm. made me remember, I don't know if you, you got a chance to see it, uh, a play called American Sun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually remember viewed that play yeah for exam mm -hmm. oh that it, it the, the lead was Kerry washington and it had jeremy jordan as the police officer then it went to netflix to be a film um mm -hmm. i remember when i saw it it hurt like wh when i saw it it hurt and then i re-watched it as a film uh when when george floyd was killed and all the, the Black Lives Matter movement started. Um, and I thought, this is the moment to change. Mm -hmm. And as you just said, it's not only, it's not only telling their stories, it, it needs a change in the whole system. Mm -hmm. It definitely, it's, it's a reckoning and rebuilding. And we have to relearn a lot of things. Um, And producers cannot feel like the way they've been going is okay. Maybe they've made so much money and they've become comfortable in what they're doing, but it's not, it's not right. It's not inclusive. And they have to rethink, relearn, um, break it all down to build it back up again um, and to build it back up differently. Um, you know, it, There's so much wrong with Broadway. There's so much right with it, but there's so much wrong that we have to really take a look. Producers, directors really have to take a look about what the problem is and then come back. Sit at a table together and say, hey, um, what people of color, what people with disabilities, any underserved community, what people can we bring in so that they can help us? Um, and they, this doesn't even have to be mutually exclusive. Like you can have a black producer who needs to bring in um, an Asian American playwright. Like it just needs to be, it needs to be diverse. We can't keep going with white male led, productions anymore it just can't happen and what's your feeling about the upcoming broadway shows um on this topic that that have stories or either performers or the whole um, directive team is made diverse mm, that's a good question um because i feel like We don't know too much of what's coming back yet. I'm really excited, obviously, for Thoughts of a Colored Man. 
um, one of my friends who is part of Broadway League, um, Brian Moreland, is um, one of the general producers on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, the lead producer, sorry, not general. The lead producers on that show. And I just feel like he's a black male. That's great. Um, and I don't remember who his other lead producer is. Um, it's a woman, which is phenomenal. Um, but I, I just feel like we need, we just need diversity of stories and I'm excited to see what comes. Um, I do want to acknowledge roundabout, um, because we know that roundabout theater, (laughs) well, I know that roundabout theater has a long history of, of producing good plays, but they're they're all just wrong as far as being predominantly about the white narrative. We're tired of that. Um, and the the lineup that they have coming is just so stunning. And I'm just like, who took over roundabout? What is happening here? I want to be a part of this kind of, that's what needs to happen across the board. So whoever's in charge of this roundabout, if you're listening, um, I need you to do a masterclass to the rest of Broadway because what they, they have listened, they have responded to, we see you's demands. Um, and they are producing more shows of, or not producing, producing and commissioning more shows that are of topics that we have not heard of before. And I'm ready. I'm ready. Because if if, if Roundabout is a mirror image of what's to come, then I'm I'm very excited. Yes, I agree with you. So how can people outside the industry help improve the diversity in our industry? Oh, that's a tough question. Um... (laughs) platforms it's all about bringing people in um i have this great friend and i'm gonna make her listen to this jennifer who was a producer on the share show she's produced um associate produced a bunch of other shows um and she's a white woman but she has given me such She's kind of like taking me under her wing and become like this mentor and this helper. And I feel like if we can do that for underserved communities, um, get like have them share your platform, you take them on as a mentee, then we can really, really start anew. Um, because I feel like people from underserved communities come in and may not know exactly what to do or who to talk to or what schooling to get, or maybe they can't afford college or anything like that and want to be able to get into the theater. Um, and if we have a producer who's making all of this money and can kind of say, okay, I see your passion for this. Let me help you. Let me introduce you to a couple of people. If we can get those relationships going, that's how things can change as well. 
because we can't keep seeing the same faces. Like, I love Jeremy O'Harris. I love, um, like, Brian and his shows. But we can't just have the same people and call that diversity. You know, I want to see Jeremy O'Harris everywhere. He's fantastic. But there are so many other black um, male L of the, from the LGBTQ community who are waiting to be heard. You know what I mean? Who may not have the money to go to Yale. There's just so much that if we can bring on those people, um, I, I think we can have a phenomenal change and a phenomenal shift in theater. But it has to be about... I have this platform. How can I help you with it? Not I have this platform and, you know, keep it going for myself and do nothing with it. It has to be a collective. Bring on somebody who's interested, who may not have the way in. Ayana, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Um, For me, it's been really educational. I know... I feel it deep, deep down in the bottom of my heart that Broadway will change. Uh, we, I, I think, and the whole world too. I think we are in in a route to change and to to change successfully. Um, mm-hmm. Before we go, where can our listeners find you and contact you? Read the stuff you've written, and yeah, just yeah. like follow you on social media. Yeah, so um, I'm. if you follow me on Twitter, that's how you can find everything else. So I'm just going to plug my Twitter. Um, it's at Ayana, A-Y-A-N-N-A, last name Prescott, P-R-E-S-C-O-D, just my first and last name. Um, and then from there, you can find my website. And my website has everything else, Instagram, all everything else, all my articles, and you'll the easiest way. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this. Um, I can't wait to share it to everyone. <laughs> But we're not leaving yet without our surprise question. <laughs> no brainer. And with you, I want to open it a little bit because you've seen a lot of theater, not only musical theater. Mm-hmm. So which have been your top five favorite musical theater shows? And straight plays. Ooh, uh, this is good. <laughs> um, I can't put this in order, but my top five musical. This is not any order. In the Heights, Hades Town, Phantom of the Opera, Beauty and the Beast. Um, and who else? Who else? Who else? One more. Um, this is tough. <laughs> Uh, Maybe one you, you saw in, in 2019 before we got shut down. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, shuffle along, shuffle along. I absolutely, that is definitely a top five. Last year wasn't a good year for theater, but um, I mean the year be- 2019. Um, but yeah, I, I think Hades Town was the best. Oh my God, can I add another one? Once on this island. <laughs> top six. Once on this island was uh, phenomenal, but it's Once on this island revival because I can't say the original because I didn't see it, but the revival really blew my socks off. And straight plays. Woo! 
straight place. I love Frankie and Johnny. Um, I loved uh, Gary with Nathan Lane. I thought that was phenomenal. Um, mm. See, I love musical theater way more than I love plays. Um, no, that's not a top five. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else? God, I can't even give you three. Um, why can't I think right now? Hold on. Now I got to look through my playbill collection. <laughs> Hold on. On my phone. Because <laughs> then I can remember. See, broad, uh, theater has been out too long. I'm sorry. I know, right? Okay, 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 okay. See? Clicking off. Schoolgirls, Jocelyn Bio. Or the African Mean Girls play top five. Top five. So I gave you Frankie and Johnny School Girls, Gary. Um, okay, so is the band's visit a play or is it a musical? It's very difficult. We, we're we always arguing about, the theater community is very argumentative about that show. Um, I'm going to consider it a play. I don't think it was much music. Um, I think the music came as an accessory, so I'm going to call it a straight play. And, oh, I love this one. Three Tall Women. Was that five? Yes, that was five. Good. I love musicals way more than I like straight plays. I need to, like... <laughs> like, pump know. it up in the seat <laughs> in the Broadway stage, you know, in the Broadway house. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Ayanna, thank you so much for coming over. It's been a pleasure. And I cannot wait to see what's coming down the road for you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.